We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning in chapter 1. As Lisa was saying, as we've kind of entered December and are attempting to remember that this is the Christmas season. And it is such a huge blessing because in a time where everything's changing, you know, this is what we do in December, is we remember the stories of Jesus and what God has done for us through Christ. So you can be turning there to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. In the meantime, though, I just want to give an update. If you were around here, you know, five or six years ago in October, meaning October feels like five or six years ago, um, we had a time where we were presenting the church Elmer Chen, his wife Carlana, for Elmer to become an elder as a part of our church. And we had a month of hearing back from people, and we heard lots of positive feedback. Um, But we're just in this time of trying to figure out what's best for the church for uh, continuing or completing this process um, with the lockdowns. To have a, a Sunday where the church gathers together and welcomes an elder to participate in the government over them seems to me like something that should be done when you can get together. And so we're still figuring out God's best plan for us with that. But if you're wondering whatever happened with that, we had our month. There was tons of great feedback. We're going to continue to proceed forward, but we're unsure exactly what the best way to do that to serve the church is at this time. And so it may just mean waiting until we can get together together again, sorry, in some kind of capacity. But we're figuring that out, but just didn't want it to be a big question mark for the church. And so Hopefully that's a blessing to you to know at least where we're at. All right. I want to read through the beginning of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And what I hope to do this morning is to give us confidence in God's providence over our lives. Um, providence is the name of a college around here, but it's named after this big idea about God and this true idea about God that God is in control of everything working all things together to fulfill his purposed plan for the good of his people and for his own glory it's a bit of a long sentence but that's what providence means that God is watching over everything in order to take care of his creation in order to do good to his people and in order to accomplish his plans for the world, especially glorifying Jesus Christ, gathering together a people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue to rejoice in his presence for all eternity. That's the big plan. And so what I want to do is I want to look at these two lives, these people who in one sense are kind of forgettable people, they're normal people, And I want to look at God's hand in their lives and then to draw for us faith and hope and and encouragement for us to live in these days where it can feel very out of control. Are you anybody like me where things feel very out of control? Yeah, I'm not in control of what goes on day to day. Even sometimes in my own brain, it feels like. And most of us are experiencing not being in control. Excuse me. It's just a dry throat. Nobody panic. And um, we're experiencing out-of-controlness in, in ways that most of us never have. And in one sense, not the only answer, but a huge answer from God and from Scripture is the truth that, of God's providence, that he is watching over all things and accomplishing his good purposes. And so I want to see that in the life of Zechariah 
and Elizabeth. And so I'm going to read a fairly long passage of Scripture. I think many of us this will be familiar, and that's a good thing. But why don't you just listen along with me, or you can read along as you have your Bibles in front of you. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife conceived, sorry, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Saints, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for these, this story. Father, I thank you for Luke and history going out and hearing these stories. And I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write a true and dependable word, which is you talking to us, trustworthy and true. Father, I thank you for all that you did for them, and I thank you for the truth that you are the same God for us, that you are for them, and that we can depend on you in new ways because of what we saw you do in their lives. And so, God, would you be glorified in our midst, Lord? I pray that you would touch hearts, Lord, where the burden of hopelessness is on our hearts. I pray you would lift it, even as people are just lifting silent prayers to you, asking for that to happen. Father, I pray where there's a joylessness that the joy of the Lord would come, even as people lift up their hearts to you while we're praying. And Lord, that you would 
sculpt our minds and our hearts into the truth in Jesus' mighty name, that you might be glorified. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Well, I've got this picture of a model of Herod's temple up on the screen here, because this is where most of this story happens. And if you kind of remember, um, there was a time, a thousand years ago, a long time ago, it doesn't even matter, I could be perfectly technical to the day of how long ago it was, and it wouldn't help you. It long way back, okay? Way before you and I were even a, a thought in a great-great-great-grandparent's eyes or mind. But long time ago, God destroyed Solomon's temple, and it went this, the Israelites went templeless for a long time, and then they started rebuilding the temple. But in the days of Herod, which is the time when Jesus was born, Herod was completing a massive rebuild of the, of the temple in Jerusalem, which had taken decades to make. And so this is a model of it. Uh, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, and it's never been rebuilt. But this is a model of it, and this is where Zechariah would be serving as priest. And it's good to kind of remember, in the Gospel of Luke, Herod is just quickly mentioned. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Herod is revealed to be this evil tyrant. So this baby that is proclaimed that he be born, that he'll be the John the Baptist, he's born right around the same time that Jesus is born. And when Jesus is born, that's when the wise men set out to go and meet the child. And they run into Herod. Herod hears about the king that's born. And so Herod ends up declaring the death sentence of all the boys aged two and under in Bethlehem. So this is that Herod. So when we read this story, it's good to remember these weren't the best times. These weren't the most peaceful times. This is, they didn't have the best king ever who was reigning over them or had even built their temple. And so it's even weird. Imagine going and serving as priest at a temple that was built by this kind of person, who was not a Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived besides Christ, but was this megalomaniac mass murderer of children. So these are complicated times. And I want to start there just to say, like, God is in control in complicated times. God is reigning through his providence in times where things aren't how they're supposed to be. And he cares about the life of regular people during these times too, just like you and I. But I want to draw our attention to six things this morning for our sake of our faith. And the net title of this message is called When the Time Comes, because so much of providence is about waiting. Waiting for the time where we get to see what God was doing. Waiting for the time when it's revealed what God has been up to. And trusting in God's providence, trusting in his sovereignty, trusting in his control, takes faith because most of the time you can't see what he's doing. And that's where our doubt creeps in. Most of the time you can't tell what he's up to. And that's where our unbelief comes in. Most of the time it doesn't look like God is working out good things. And that's where our fear comes in. But when the time comes, we will see all that God has been up to, even in our days and in our lives. Number one thing I want to point out. I want us to begin by acknowledging the truth that God will not forget us. If you are a Christian, if you are someone who has put your trust in Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and King, it is impossible that God should forget you. God will not forget you in this life. And 
the, the verses I'm looking at, the parts of the story that I'm looking at here, are both the beginning and the very end. So I want to read the very end, and this is Elizabeth's speech. And it says, In these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in these days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. And maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like Elizabeth may have been struggling with feeling forgotten by the Lord. But now, as an older woman, a woman probably postmenopausal, I think that's what advanced in age meant. It wasn't like one of those advancements where you're getting a promotion necessarily. It's one of those like advanced beyond a time where you had hope for something. And here she is suddenly, miraculously pregnant. And from her words, it sounds like she's saying, now I see that God has not forgotten me. Now God has looked upon me in these days. And he's rescued me from the sense of being reproached among people. What does that mean? Well, this is what I think is going on kind of here. Zechariah and Elizabeth were a special, I don't know what the right word is, a special lineage of people, a special class of people. Zechariah was a priest, so he was a physical descendant of Aaron, the first priest over Israel. And Elizabeth was also a descendant of the Levites, and I think a descendant of the, the, the priestly caste as well. She was one of the daughters of Aaron. So yeah, I'm right here. Yay, it's always good to be right when something's getting live streamed and recorded. So they're both descendants of Aaron. And so they had a particular job because only physical descendants of Aaron could be priests. And there was this job to do in the temple, to be priests to the Lord, to offer worship, to offer sacrifice, to offer praise as the priesthood. And so there were only a select group of people in existence who could do this job biblically and according to the will of God. And so here's Zechariah, and here's his wife Elizabeth. And not only is it Zechariah's job to go and serve the Lord as a priesthood, but it is their job to produce the next generation of priests because only physical descendants of Aaron could do that. And so, though for any woman who wants children and doesn't have her heart's desire fulfilled, that is a weighty burden and a great grief. You could see how for Elizabeth, she could be thinking to herself, my a huge part of my whole existence is to bear priests and to bear daughters to marry other descendants of Aaron in order to provide the next generations of priests for the temple worship of God. And so as someone who could not do that, you could see that for herself there could be a great sense of grief. But also they lived in a time where it wasn't hard for you to find people who would look on a barren daughter of Aaron and say what had what did she do to be cursed by the Lord like this what has what has she and Zechariah been up to what are they secretly like if God won't give them children when God needs them to have children for the priesthood and if you read the gospel of John you might remember that Jesus heals this guy who was born blind and they're talking about it and and they say, who, is, who sinned, his parents or him, that he was born blind? Which is weird, because how do you sin in order to be born blind? That doesn't make sense. But there was this whole theology running around saying, these kinds of catastrophes are earned by sin. And you could see Elizabeth thinking to herself, what, what have I done? 
Or maybe she thinks, I haven't done anything, but people are looking at me and they think, who knows what they think. And so in this moment, the time had come for Elizabeth's worries to be taken away from a God who never forgot about her. And I just want to affirm to all of us today, hey, wherever you're at, and whatever Christmas ends up looking like for you, the one place we cannot go in our mind and be right is to say, God's forgotten about me. God does not forget about his people. There are just times where it looks like it and sometimes feels like it, but it's never true. God is in control and God's saints are precious in his sight. And everyone who's truly united to Jesus is a true son or daughter of God. And he does not forget about us, even when it might look like that. And there will be a time where we will see what God is up to and has been up to. And then we'll say, ah, now these days where God has looked upon me and changed my situation, I see he has not forgotten. The next thing I want to say is this. Let's be praying and obeying. When this story comes and we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're old, all right? Well, they're advanced in years, which is a great way to put it. And the Bible wants to introduce them to us, and so it just says this thing about them. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord. This was their introduction. This is a great summary of them. And then when the angel meets Zechariah, the first thing he says to him is, your prayers have been heard. And so we meet these people, and they're showing us kind of what, what God appreciates in people while they're waiting for their time to come. People who are trusting in the Lord or trying to trust in the Lord, people who are waiting, what are they doing? They're, they're being dutiful. Here's Zechariah. He's doing his priestly duties. Here's He's been praying for his wife. He's going about, they're, they're, they're obeying, they're blameless. It doesn't mean they're sinless. It doesn't mean they're perfect. But as far as regular people go, they're being faithful to the Lord. And they have these hearts of faith where they want to please the Lord with their obedience to him. And again, I can't hear this encouragement enough, but there is something. You know, when the world is going crazy, there is something so sweet to God about people who want to just persist in talking to God unburdening their hearts to the Lord, asking him to intervene, lifting up their, their problems to God, and wanting to simply obey him in simple ways. Zechariah and Elizabeth are not famous for doing anything triumphant. They're, they're not famous for doing anything amazing. They're, they're famous for getting pregnant, which is kind of common. But when we meet them, they were busy about simple obedience to the Lord in the midst of a crazy time with Herod being king. And there's just an encouragement for this. Until the time comes, maybe when this church is overflowing with people, until the time comes where we see clearly everything he's up to in this time, until the time comes, what do we do? We be faithful. We be diligent. You dust on top of your door frames and scrub out your toilet. Make amends in your house if you had a meltdown with somebody. You send those little acts of kindness. You remember the people from your community group and you take care of a teacher or a nurse or an uh, education assistant who's kind of on the front lines now. It's these simple obediences of love and patience and, and showing our faith in the Lord. These things are precious to him. And he wants to acknowledge these things in time and he will. 
we will get rewarded for our faith and our faithfulness in this time from the Lord. Maybe in this life, maybe in the next one, but every single act of looking to the Lord and saying, I want to do something to please you in this time, he will acknowledge when the time comes. The third thing I want to say today is, Let's be trusting in God's providence. I like just keeping my eyes open for coincidences and luck of the draw things in the Bible these days. As I'm trying to see more and more in Scripture how God really is in control of odd things. And the Scripture says this. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is how I understand it. They would take a bunch of, like, tiles or two-sided dice, and they would throw a bunch of them on the ground, and they would use the, the, the it's like flipping coins, you know. They'd use the heads and the tails to discern what God wanted people to do. Or maybe they were drawing straws. I don't know. They don't really explain how to do this. But they were asking, okay, God, whose turn is it to go into the temple and to burn the incense and, and to be the priest? And they wanted to hear from God by doing the most random, out-of-control thing possible. They, 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 were, they just threw the dice. Okay, you got 20 people in the room. Let's get one of those fancy 20-sided die. You're one, you're two, you're three, you're four. And God's will is going to be whatever crazy randomness comes out of this thing. And it's weird, like we're not taught in the New Testament to be led by that. We're taught to be led by the Spirit, to pray and to trust in God's prompting and to and that kind of stuff. We're, we're not really taught to make going by lot a big deal, but they literally sought out who's the one who's supposed to go and burn the incense by using quote-unquote random chance. Why? Because their faith was the providence of God will take care of this. And then they sent in Zechariah. He's like, oh, I, oh, I got to go. Or maybe he's like, yes, this is my turn. I get to go into the holy place and burn the incense in there. I don't know. It doesn't really tell us what his emotions were when he got pulled from the draw. But this was in God's plan. That was the time in order for Zechariah to go in there in order to meet the angel in the presence of the Lord by the altar of incense in order for him to be sent home and for for it to be the right time that it would be prophesied by the angel that his wife would finally conceive in her advanced years so that their son could be roughly the same age as the Messiah and they could be contemporaries and, and they could be doing their ministries at roughly the same time. It was all perfect timing. And it was totally brought about by the randomest act of chance the priests could try to do in order to discern who should go into the Holy of Holies. So what am I saying here? One of the things that can make us feel really out of control is to feel like maybe your life is being controlled by things that are random, like how COVID spreads or how one person can get in the house and four other people can't or something like that. And I can just feel like, ah, we are just, life is Las Vegas right now. We are stuck just going, is today going to be great or not? Uh, four bar, three, two bars and a half a cherry. Uh, you know, it was just like, it feels like it's just random chance. And this story tells us that God is Lord over random chance too. Solomon says in Proverbs, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every response is from the Lord. Every time in Las Vegas, they pull the switch there or they toss that little ball into the roulette table. Every single time a number comes up, God is working over it 
through it and making it serve his global universal purposes to glorify Jesus Christ and to glorify the church in Christ and to gather together a people for his name and to sum up everything in the name of the Lord Jesus raised from the dead. We just have no clue how. We couldn't even understand it most of the time. But God says, I'm in charge of this stuff and I'm making it serve me. And when you read a story like Zechariah and Elizabeth and how this whole gospel starts with the the roll of a dice, I just have to respond to it. I, I need to trust that God's ruling over providence here. When my car skids into a ditch, when I'm doing five kilometers an hour, I was meant to go and be in that ditch that morning. we got to trust in God's providence. And that's when good stuff's happening and maybe even when bad stuff's happening too. Well, of course, when bad stuff's happening. What, what did that maybe get in there for? That was not good theology, that maybe too. God is in control. And he's working it out. And there will be a time that comes when we'll see it. Maybe a little bit in this life, for sure, for sure, when we're raised from the dead with Christ, we will see how everything was guided by his eternal purposes, his unparalleled wisdom, his unstoppable power, and his unlimited goodness. We will see it with our living eyes. But until that time comes, we are called to trust. Fourth, I, I, want, I want to encourage us, and me especially, To hear God's call to not be afraid. Verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. And I really like this because number one, it's so human. Who wouldn't be like that? Have you never been in a dark room? Have you ever been to the church at night? And just like every single creak is a creak you've never heard before. And of course, it's somebody who snuck into the building during the day and was hiding out and was going to come out at night. And now you're the only person stuck in the church at night and you're stuck in the church with some stranger and it's going to be crazy. And and you're thinking, how are the six ways I can get out of this building? There's only one door here, one door there, one over there. And if you're on the second floor, you're dead. Except maybe you can go through the roof. Is the roof locked still? The roof isn't locked. So apparently you can go through the roof and then maybe jump into one of the trees on the, on the street and try to hit one of the solid branches that won't break and send you plummeting to the concrete before. Right? There's nobody ever afraid of being alone in a dark room and finding someone was in there that you didn't know about. Am I the only one who carries a knife around my own house? Just kidding. I don't. It's a gun. Just kidding. I don't. But it's so human. Of course. Of course, he's the only one who's supposed to be in there. Like, on pain of death. You're only supposed to have one priest in there. On pain of death, almost, I think. I think it's on pain of death. And so all of a sudden, there is somebody else in there. You know, that would be a normal response, let alone the fact that it is an angel. And so he's deeply troubled, and fear fell upon him. And I love how the angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because Zechariah is experiencing terror at the, in the best moment of his life. So crazy. But this angel has shown up to tell him, 
It's like the publisher's clearinghouse for the older folks. You know where they show up with the check that's bigger than you are? This is a million bucks or like the extreme home makeover. Move that bus. This is one of those moments where somebody is showing up at his house to tell him, Zechariah, all your prayers are going to get answered and your dream's going to come true and your miracle baby is on the way and you're going to have the joy of your life. That's the message, but it all starts off with him being terrified. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Are you going to kill me? Are we all going to die? You know, that's his response to the best moment of his life. And for me, this, again, just pushes back on providence here because we can't tell often when God is doing things that are setups for the best things he has for us. And sometimes we are terrified for the first steps of the best things. This is true. Sometimes... You know, God takes something away so he can give us something better. And you're just like, ah, has anybody else had like things breaking in your house? I mean, have this slew of things breaking in the Belfort household. And I have this huge theology now. I don't call it prosperity gospel. I call it the provision gospel that so often when God wants to give you something better, he just trashes the thing that you've been content with. Because you're not going to change it until he breaks it. And so it breaks and you go, do you know there's a guy in the sound booth and one of the reasons he's there at the sound booth is because my fridge died. And then we finally went around to get a new fridge and it was one of those like bottom loader ones. Do you remember this? I feel like it brought this. And he was driving me back from, because my van kept breaking. I had my van into your shop every month for like six months. I learned all your first names. You learned my first name. And near the end of the cycle, it's like, I got this new fridge. You got to see it. And so here's my poor wife who I was not ready for coming. Company and has the mechanic from the shop in her living room and in her kitchen looking at this new fridge. And part of it was that the van would not get fixed until we were friends. And then the fridge broke so I could get you in my house. It's crazy. But I'm so often afraid or frustrated of God showing up to do something great. And so we, I want to take more seriously his call to not be afraid. I can't tell what's bad news from my perspective. Only God knows what's bad news or good news. And we need to find out from him. Amen? Okay, well, there you go. Putting people on the spot. Number five, let's admit there are obstacles, but hope for real miracles. Zechariah's response is so, again, human. This is why I don't think, I don't treat him like a superhero. He's so normal, even for a priest. He hears all this good news. It's going to be the best thing of your life, what you've been praying for. And he, I love it. I love it in scripture when people are praying for something and God says, I've heard your prayers. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know how you've been praying for a son? Yes, you're going to get it. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's so good. It's so awesome because so often we're praying, not necessarily in hope and faith that God's going to do it, but just kind of like unburdening ourselves. Like we would love this thing, but we don't know what to even do with it and don't even expect necessarily you'll do it. And, and Zechariah is so there. So his response is, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And you know what? He's a priest. He's not a doctor. Doctor, but he understands basic biology and he understands that once that thing with your wife stops happening, it's over. 
And who knows, maybe he's way older too, and maybe he's like, it's not happening that much for me either. And so maybe it's just it's a, this show is over, and the, 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 they packed up the bus, and they drove away a long time ago. And so he's looking, he sees the obstacle right away. So much so that even though he's, his brain is kind of starting to catch up, that he's having a conversation with a supernatural being here, that it, his faith isn't even there yet. And I just... One of the things I love about this story is, did God say, okay, no, baby, bye? No, there was a consequence, but he still went through with his declaration. And I, part of that is there for normal people like me and you, just to remember, sometimes praying with half faith is enough to get the ball rolling with God. Amen? Sometimes praying, unburdening your heart, and you don't even know if God's going to do it, is still enough to get the ball rolling as our prayers are working together and God weaves in our requests into his providence because he wants us to pray. That's his plan. It's that so much of what he wants to do with the world is going to be in response to his people asking to do stuff. So when you hear about providence, don't start praying. Start, stop praying. You're supposed to start praying with the hope that going, hey, th- this, was, this is like this luck of the draw moment that was totally inspired by prayer. I want luck of the draw moments that are inspired by prayer. I want to pray until God does random chance and brings about his, my, my dreams through random chance. So let's be able to admit there are obstacles, but let's keep on hoping for real miracles, even in these times. And you know what? I'm, if, if you're, I'm, I'm having a hard, words, Lord, <laughs> send me the words now. It's so easy to get discouraged by just the chatter of life these days. That's so common. And I, I just think it would be such a good habit that I'm working on. We just need to be praying about everything. We need to keep the cross between ourselves and every event we hear about. Don't let any news get to you without praying about it. Or once it's hit you, pray it back to God. We need to be praying about everything. Anything that's, you having a feeling, you need to pray. You having a thought, you need to pray. Something happened, we need to pray. We need to be praying. And, and getting at least halfway towards hope that God will do something. Because I totally feel like I'm going to be a Zechariah. I'll be getting up here on Sundays and being like, this is all a setup for miracles and breakthrough and for the church in Canada to explode. <laughs> and when it starts to happen, I'll be like, never thought it happened. And so I'm going to be like, you told us it was going to happen. I'll be like, yeah, but I didn't believe it. You know, I'm going to totally be that guy. It's a setup. It's a setup, Lord. I know. Ah. Sometimes he puts half believers in priesthoods just to mess around with them. But I'm okay with that. As long as we get the baby. So we, I need to push myself there, and I think we should be pushing ourselves there. There's, there's obstacles, and then there's miracles. And when you see an obstacle, you need to hope for miracles. Well, this will be my last point. Thanks for your patience, everybody. We need to trust that God will work his best intentions, even in our imperfections. This is one of my favorite parts of this story, is this. Because Zechariah didn't believe all the way, or kind of doubted, you know, when, you know biology, angel, and um, obviously Gabriel, excuse me, had permission from the Lord to do a uh, vocal adjustment on Zechariah in response to this. He strikes Zechariah dumb, which 
really should mean you can't speak. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It means you can't speak. Tongue ties and whatever. He makes it so he can't talk. And so Zechariah comes stumbling out of the uh, the temple, and everyone's wondering what's going on here. And then they they realize that something's happened. The scripture says they, they re- realize that he must have seen a vision because he couldn't talk, but he kept kind of trying to invent American Sign Language at these people. And there's something, for me, I just... There's something so wholesome for me in this story because this. Zechariah didn't 100% believe, and so he had this negative consequence of you can't talk until your child is born. The consequence of him not being able to speak was that everyone believed that an angel had spoken to him. Now, if an angel came to me when I was all on my own and he, and he said, Rob, blah, 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 and I went out there and I was just like, hey, an angel talked to me, and blah, 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 you know, most of you would be like, mm, you know. You, you made, did you hit the eggnog pretty hard the other night? Was this just a dream? You know, there'd be so much room for unbelief in people hearing Zechariah say this. But because of the judgment against his speech, people believed him right away. And I was just like, look at the good intentions of the Lord. Even when Zechariah couldn't talk anymore, it totally blessed him because he wasn't just spending months until Ze- until Elizabeth popped. He didn't have all this time people going, he cray cray. You know, he didn't just wasn't getting slammed. He's like, he, everyone's like, he can't talk. Like he can't talk. God struck him. So something's happened. And then they were watching for this baby's birth. Like all of a sudden, the, the unasked for, he's getting publicity that even Facebook money can't get you because everyone's like, he used to be able to talk. Now he can't talk. He said he meant an angel. Like either he's this method actor like Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings or he has really been struck by the Lord and we should pay attention to this. Amen? And so I just see in this like, what a mercy even on somebody who's getting a bit of a spank. You know what I'm talking about? Like God's good intention, even in Zechariah's imperfection, is amazing. It's amazing. And for me, this actually is like, oh, thank goodness, Lord. Like, even if I mess it up, you can do something great. This is, my, this is the providence of God. Even if I'm, if I'm half-faith, God can do something amazing. As long as I'm just like, Lord, please take my half-faith here. I don't want to keep my half-faith. I give you my, I give you my 51% faith. I vote for you being God. You've got 51% faith. And even if I need to get disciplined to get me up to 99, I know it's going to be good. Because the same God, Zechariah is my God by faith in Jesus. And for me, this is, it actually brings peace in this time where, is anybody getting it right right now? Is anybody perfect? Is anybody bullseyed this whole situation? I don't know. But if we're doing it in faith unto the Lord, can he work out his best intentions through our imperfections? Yeah, totally. Totally he's big enough for that. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to invite the team to come up here. And so, church, I just want to encourage us. You know, we're all in stuff. Some of us are having the, like, hardest work weeks ever. If you're on the front lines in healthcare, this is your busiest season of your life. Maybe other of us don't even know what to do with ourselves. We feel so constrained in our time. Let's give our hearts to the God who really is able to work all things for the good of those who trust him, those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And let's just keep this flow of prayer coming, knowing that our God can answer prayers even past the point of hope. That's where Zechariah and Elizabeth were. They were past the point of hope. 
And God said, now I'm going to answer your prayers. Who knows if Zechariah was even still praying about it. He may have stopped 15 years ago when his hope stopped. And God said, yeah, you know those prayers when you thought I could do something? I'm going to remember them now. Who knows? All we know is that God has proven that he can answer prayers anytime, any way he wants. So let's keep that flow of prayer going to the God of providence who loves his people and never forgets about us. Amen.